It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. I want to begin this episode by saying, first of all, I'm curious, because I don't listen to most of our episodes, what the editor leaves in versus takes out. Like, I kind of want to make a mental note to self to come back and listen to see if they cut out my mess up at the beginning or left it in. I'm okay sometimes with leaving the messy parts. Like, it just feels more conversational. So, hi, editor. Thanks for editing our show. And uh, B, I, I trust your creative choices, however you decide to edit and what to leave in versus what to leave out. I, I kind of would like to know. We don't have a one-to-one relationship with our editor, by the way, uh, because we work with a podcast company called Poditize and they assign our show to someone. And I I don't even know if it's the same person doing it each time. I suppose I could easily ask them. (laughs) But anyways, I wanted to start off this episode talking about how we're going to try some new things. I want to try one new thing in this episode today. And I, we're going to try something in about a month by going down from three episodes a week to two episodes a week for a few reasons. One, I'm going to be traveling a ton and we went through our schedule to coordinate, like recording a bunch of episodes in advance. And it was a lot. And as we were trying to adjust our schedules, we both thought, hmm, what if we paused the show for a little bit and took a hiatus? But I found out that that's actually not really beneficial to you, the listener, but also to the algorithm. So it was recommended to us by Poditize, again, the company we work with on the show, to do at least one episode a week. And I proposed to Jason that we do two episodes a week, one solo episode. So down from two solo, meaning just the two of us, to one with just the two of us and one with a guest. So we're going to try that out in about a month in September and see how that goes. We would love your feedback. So note to self for yourself, or you can let us know right now ahead of time. How do you feel about there being less episodes? Would you prefer it? Or are you going to miss them? We will take some feedback. We'll look at the numbers, the analytics, and we'll decide if we go back to three episodes sometime in early 2021 or if we stick to two episodes, which would certainly save us time and energy. But I am open to either case, either scenario. The other thing I want to try out and something I'm surprised that we've never really done, I guess it just didn't occur to me, Jason, is like, since we are currently doing for at least a few more weeks, two episodes of just the two of us, what if one of those episodes is us just like truly having a conversation as friends and talking kind of tangentially. Like, I know a lot of people enjoy our conversations. We get a lot of feedback about how we go deep into vulnerable subject matters. And I don't want to just like make it all over the place. But if we have a general theme and a jumping off point, and then we just share without doing too much research. For any of our regular listeners, you've probably noticed that I really like to do research. We don't prep too much. We don't really even have an outline. One of us comes up with a concept. We usually pull up an article or book notes or something like that, and we share our thoughts. And part of that is because we're interested in it. And the other element is that we want to give you information and we don't want it to just be super biased and opinionated and all of that. But One thing, actually, speaking of books, one of the books I was reading recently, and I don't recall which one, is how we learn a lot through processing out loud. In fact, I'm almost 100% sure this is in one of Sherry Turkle's books, which I will link to. There's two books that I've been reading recently. One's called Alone Together, which we have talked about on the show before. And the other is called Reclaiming Conversation. And her 
her work actually came up in another book I've just finished recently called Bored and Brilliant. So I'll link to all of those in our show notes at wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. The notes for every single episode of the show are there for you to make it easy. And it got me thinking about how much things are shifting digitally, which is a topic we've addressed a ton on this show. And one element of it, Jason, that I've been reflecting a lot on specifically is how we are at this time where I think a lot of us yearn to do things right. We know a lot of people struggle with perfectionism. And it's that weird balance of like being drawn to authenticity and making mistakes, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, versus like polishing things up, making things quick and putting things in sound bites, making them short to reach people's attention spans. And one thing that came up in Sherry Turkle's work is how a lot of people prefer to send text messages and emails over phone calls because they have the opportunity to reflect a lot and adjust and edit versus that fear that some people have of speaking on the phone, which is like making a mistake, you know? And that's something on this show that I try to embrace. But I think I kind of have like some trauma responses in my head to all the years on platforms like YouTube, where certainly I tried to be polished and edited, but there would be times where I would make a mistake and people would come for me in the comments. And you see this happen so much on social media. It feels like no matter what you say and how well you try to craft it, somebody gets upset with you. And this is one of the reasons too that I think we tend to lean towards research-based information on this show is because I have this fear of not being able to back up what I'm saying. But in Sherry Turkle's work, she was explaining how it's actually important for us to process things out loud verbally, auditorially, because that's part of the way that we process. And I fully agree. I'm a long-winded person. I have trouble making things bite-sized because through speaking for a while, I start to have realizations and clarity. And I wonder how much of our mental abilities are shortchanged because we're constantly trying to like refine our thoughts and make things perfect. There's so much editing that goes into it. And there's pros and cons. The, the pro is that you might be clearer if you can edit something and you have time to think about it. You might get your point across. You might be less misunderstood. You might be more understood. But the downside is like, I wonder how much of, of us is left unexplored when we don't have open conversations. So Jason, I'm curious how you feel about that information because I see you resonating behind the scenes. Uh, Jason's nodding and smiling and I can see his reactions. But I also want to urge us on the show to do more of the conversation. So maybe we can experiment this month too with some of our episodes just being more loose and free flowing and us reflecting on how we're feeling that day more like we would behind the scenes off air because then that allows us to tap into that, but perhaps shows our listeners more who we are and, and what we talk about as friends. Yeah, I love that approach because I, I think that we've sort of had an anti-formula formula on the podcast so far where, you know, okay, we're feeling passionate or interested or curious about a topic or something in the news or a personal experience. And we'll use that as a jump off point for ourselves and our guests. But I do like the idea of like, someone eavesdropping on you and I, you know, at a cafe in LA, just kicking it and talking about life. I think that approach is wonderful and amplifying that more. Cause I feel like with it's not like that element hasn't been present in our podcast, but to your point, just like, all right, we're just, we're here talking like pay no mind to the fact that there's a camera on us. We're just, we're just here. You know, in terms of communication, I think that we are sacrificing as a human species with our communication not only our devices, but the ways and the mediums through which we communicate. I think that we are sacrificing depth and substance for efficiency. Here's what I mean. And when you were talking, I smiled because I remember years ago, I was talking to uh, a young lady through Instagram DMs and you know things were getting interesting romantically, potentially. They did get interesting. And I remember she, this is like maybe four years ago, she DM'd me. I-L-Y-S-M. 
was like, ILYSM, what the hell is this? You know, and, and in my, she's millennial. I'm obviously Gen X. I'm like, I don't know what all this shorthand shit is. You know, I mean, you know, I had, I had that moment where I'm like, Google what ILYSM means. I love you so much. Okay. How my brain and my heart and my body receives ILYSM versus someone taking the extra five to six seconds of their life to type out, I love you so much. I feel as a human being, when I read the words, I love you, I love you so much, I appreciate you. But in this case, there's shorthand for it now. We're sacrificing meaning and depth and resonance of the way that we communicate as humans for efficiency. Oh, I love you so much. Takes so long to no, it doesn't take so long to fucking type. Okay. But we've we've distilled things into memetics. That's the long word for memes. Okay. We've distilled things to abbreviated sentences, right? Acronyms. We've distilled things to acronyms, memes, and emojis, basically. Okay. What's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong, not to say what's wrong, but the, the trouble I see again, Whitney, is removing the depth of the emotional exchange with a lot of these things. Instead of, wow, I just found out, you know, your dog passed away, you know, emoji, heart, heart, heart. It'd be way more meaningful if you were to type out to me or call me, I'm so sorry. I know what this is like. My heart breaks for you. I'm thinking of you and your family right now. I know it's going to take a while, but let me know if I can be there for you. That's way more meaningful than, you know, heart, 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 cry emoji. Okay. So my fear in communication is that human beings are trading and being trained to think about efficiency and quickness all the time because that's the world war and everything's got to be quick and fast and hustle. I only have time to send an emoji. No, you actually do have time to properly communicate with depth and meaning if you were to take the time to do so. That's my two cents on it. And I, I, I'm scared and I'm afraid that we're going to be losing a lot of the depth and the nuance of all of this as we go on because people are trained to do this shorthand. They're trained to abbreviate. They're trained. I don't know what, when I get those kind of messages, it doesn't have much meaning to me because I know the person didn't put that much effort. I'm not judging them, but we are being collectively conditioned to do this kind of thing. Yeah. And it's interesting, like you bring out the generational things. You know, certainly, I mean, I had to stop for a second to think like, what does that stand for? Oh, I got it. I got it. You know, and I, I pick up a lot of these things. Another one that was interesting for me is the word white, especially in referencing a white person is now abbreviated to YT. Like that's something I learned on TikTok. And because TikTok tends to skew younger with Gen Z, you'll learn what a lot of these abbreviations mean and what different emojis mean now. Like there's a whole new language that people can speak in in emojis. And you and I abbreviate things, Jason. I mean, we have LHF. That's one of our, our key abbreviations for let's have fun. And we talk a lot. The two of us exchange. We say, uh, YY means yes, yes. It's like a kind of exaggerated agreement with each other. Tell them the other one, though. Tell them the other one. <laughs> Which, I mean, you and I have a lot. What is the other one that you're thinking of? YGDF. Yeah? Okay, go more, on. Yeah, that's funny. Well, no, we need to tell people what it means. And they might be... Go ahead. Yeah, YGDF means you goddamn fool. It's a term of endearment Whitney and I have for each other, which is it's not meant to be, uh, what is the word, besmirching on each other. It's like it's almost like when we want to emphasize something like, no, you need to get that pistachio milk, you goddamn fool. So we'll just put YGDF. So I guess I, love I guess that you said pistachio milk. Like, where did that go? I don't. Do you have a craving for pistachio milk? I right kind of do. I've mentioned it twice today, so I must be. Th I must have pistachio milk on the like brain. Like three trees, pistachio milk. Correct. I imagine that is the oh, one. Oh, that sounds good. So to your point, I guess we do, Whitney. You and I do. But it's also context, right? Because if we're doing, you know, yes, yes, let's have fun, get this thing, you goddamn fool. Like we're doing it in a way that's like, I'm talking more about the context, which is important here because you are right. We do do that. But I think when something of depth and real emotional weight wants to be communicated, that's a time like write it out and pick up the phone like that, that for me, at least, you know, I think the context varies here. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But again, 
it's all in the eyes of the beholder, the fingers of the beholder. Like, what do they mean when they write those things? And maybe for them, it does mean something. You know, I, it reminds me also how LOL became so popular. And now I don't know if it's as cool to write LOL. I, I don't think it is. I think most people will use the emoji, which is either yes. the crying emoji or apparently that's gotten old. So now they use the dead emoji, which is like the skull. So like you're laughing so hard, you're dead. Like that's like, I think the cooler one or like, you know, there's all these different, the emoji language changes a lot. And it's interesting because I actually really enjoy emojis. I use them a ton and I think that they just show another form of expression, but like LOL or even like ha 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 writing that out. I write those and I've noticed some people writing them at times where it it feels inappropriate, if this makes sense. Like my brain went to this one guy I had casually dated years ago who would just write it so much that I was like, okay, first of all, LOL like starts to lose its meaning because you're probably not actually laughing out loud. So it doesn't even mean what it originally was supposed to mean. But like some people write it as like, I think to convey that they're feeling insecure. Like they'll write a statement and then they'll write LOL. So it like takes away any potential like awkwardness, you know? And I wonder like writing something like I love you so much, like it makes it more casual because what if she wrote that sentence to you, Jason? And I'm not exactly sure which girl you mean. I have two guesses in my head, which we don't have to share, but I'm like, I know enough about Jason's dating history to have two people that I, I could imagine him exchanging these messages with. And I was like, hmm, I don't think either of them got to the, to the love stage. So maybe it wasn't like, I really love you. Maybe it's just like, oh my gosh, you're so great. I love you so much. And it's casual. And to make sure that it came across casual, she used the abbreviation. And I think that that's part of how we protect ourselves. And, and that's a huge part of this conversation. It's like, we protect ourselves emotionally, whether it's the fear of being rejected or misunderstood or putting out a lot of energy, using a lot of time, which was another big reason that Sherry Turkle found people were using text is because it saves them so much time. And a lot of people have this fear of if they get on a phone call, it's going to take more time than they want and they're going to be exhausted or it's going to be awkward to get off the phone or there might be awkward silences. So it's like protecting ourselves from the potential emotional hardships. So if we make it casual through emojis and abbreviations and texts that we can edit and sometimes even unsend certain texts, it depends on the platform, we are protecting ourselves from the possibility of being rejected. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, hundred percent it does. I mean, it it yes, yeah. I actually I was dating a young lady in high school who did this. Uh, we had been dating for a while, and we were getting serious. Wait, and, context. Yeah. She was in high school, or you both were in high school. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, this is important. Important to clarify. We were both in high this school. This wasn't last year. <laughs> no, no, not doing that big of an age gap. Yeah, we were both in high school, and she. God, I haven't thought about this in years. I would tell her I loved her and she would not say it back. She would say instead, je t'aime, which is I love you in French. It didn't carry the same weight for me. And I think she did it. I We never had the conversation because I was not emotionally evolved enough to have the conversation at 16, 17. But I think she did it because it didn't have the same weight. Like I love you, I believe had a weight to her and she would not say it. So she would only say Jatem and it drove me absolutely fucking crazy. I was like, just say it, say it. But to your point, I think that is reason Whitney is people are afraid to put themselves on the line. They're deathly afraid of being rejected. They're deathly afraid of not having their loved return to them in the way that they want. So they play it safe and they do it through IOYSM or Jatem or whatever their version is. Cause we as human beings, many of us are absolutely fucking terrified of having our hearts broken or not having the love we want returned to us. Totally makes sense. And even in professional exchanges, I mean, a lot of people prefer 
to send emails and get terrified as well whenever their boss or manager wants to have a meeting with them. It's like, oh my gosh, we have to have a face-to-face or a you know Zoom or, or in-person meeting or a phone call. Like it's scary. What are they going to say? And am I going to be prepared? And are they going to tell that I'm uncomfortable or upset or whatever else? And also, I think people fear getting emails too because it's so easy to misinterpret. There's a big joke that millennials in general, especially millennial women, are terrified of of emails that don't like have the right punctuation. Like, oh my gosh, I I didn't I didn't write an explanation point. So what if they interpret me as being rude or bitchy? And oh my gosh, my my boss or my manager or whoever didn't write this word and they just said thanks with a period. So they must be mad at me. It's like all these misinterpretations we have through text message, but that still feels safer or less energetically exhausting than having a phone call. You know too, Jason, like the classic examples in my life where I've avoided phone calls. There's one person in particular, I know that you're thinking of this person, who would always call me to discuss business stuff and I really didn't like it it irritated me a ton. And it's interesting because that gave me some awareness of how I think it was a time and energy thing for me. It's like, I just need a simple piece of information and I feel like it can be conveyed through text. So I would much prefer someone to send it to me. And I also, I think sometimes it's the way our brains process. And for me, when I see things written down, I remember them better than when I hear them. So when I hear them, I have to sit down and process and type it all out. But sometimes someone's talking too fast and I can't or I misunderstand them and I have to clarify. It just feels too hard. And so I don't think that text-based communication is that bad. But then I wonder too, Jason, like, is it, maybe it is really bad for us to have so much text-based conversation. And the reason that it's like, it feels like for someone like me, easier to process. But then I wonder, is that kind of like a trauma response or a way of being conditioned through society to prefer it for all these reasons we're discussing when really my brain would thrive more if I could hear someone's voice and see someone's face? That also goes back to that same person I mentioned who I casually dated. One weird thing is that we I think maybe I know at the very beginning of dating, we had a phone call and that might've been the only time we had a phone call conversation. At one point we evolved into sending voice messages, which was nice. But even that, I remember thinking about this recently. I was like, whoa, there was one time in particular where we spent like an hour spending voice memos back and forth, taking turns. (laughs) In hindsight, I'm like, why didn't we just get on the phone? But then I started reflecting on it more. One, it feels easier to blow someone off, like stop the conversation abruptly, in other words, when it's voice memo, because then you could be like, oh, I fell asleep or I ended up doing something else. And you almost like don't have to explain yourself. It's more casual versus if you're on the phone, you have to like end it. You know, like one of you has to end the conversation at the risk of offending or disappointing someone, right? But the other thing is that voice memos give you that person like live phone conversations don't is your ability to like re-record it like you could record something and uh, unless you're using the platform like voxer which like is more like a walkie-talkie you can't really like take back what you said but you could like pause for a couple minutes before you respond with your voice and this is how i've actually started to communicate with a lot of people we rarely talk live on the phone my friends included we send a lot of voice memos And sometimes those voice memos end up taking a lot more time than a live phone conversation, but they still feel energetically easier for us and more efficient. And that's fascinating me too. Like it's better than just text, but it still gives us a barrier emotionally. And I wonder how that is for us in the long term. Well, I think the danger also, and you alluded to this, is the level of nuance and subtlety with facial expressions, micro movements of the eyes, micro movements of the face, people, excitement, curiosity, disdain, happy. We're losing so much when we're just doing text-based communication. You said, you know, there was this 
study about anxiety and millennial women about email conversations and, and punctuation. And yeah, I mean, sometimes you get a text, not you, but a person will get a text and look at it and go, I don't know this person's tone. How am I supposed to interpret this tone? And then our trauma or all our default mechanism then takes over and does the storytelling of what we think their tone actually is. So through text and through a lot of these things, we don't get proper tone. We don't get body language. We don't get subtle eye movements. We certainly don't get eye contact. So whether or not it's a better or worse form of communication, I'm not here to judge it, even though it sounds like maybe I have been this episode, but I I just don't think the complex layers of person to person or even FaceTime to FaceTime human conversation, text and other forms of these communication don't cut the mustard the same way those do, right? It's just, what the hell does that even mean anyway? Cut them like mustard is it in and of itself a in an aqueous state. It's why would you cut it? You spoon it. I would say spoon the mustard, not cut the mustard. Now I need to look up the origin of that phrase. Who the hell ever cuts mustard? I've never cut mustard in my life. Are you a hundred percent sure that's the phrase? Yes, I'm gonna look it up right now. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I feel this pressure to um fill the the dead air. So I feel like, you know, let's change it up, Jason. Keep yourself unmuted and tell us what you're discovering in real time as if like we we're all hanging out together. You're muted right now, but you've he's making all these facial expressions. Oh, okay. All right. So I looked it up. What does cut the mustard mean? Uh, to cut the mustard is to reach or surpass the desired standard or performance or more generally to succeed or have the ability to do something extraordinarily. For instance, Quote, Beyonce really cut the mustard in her new song. It's a funny use. Uh, Often, the phrase is used in negative constructions when something doesn't live up to expectations or can't do the job. E.g., well, Tom Brady couldn't really cut the mustard in the playoffs. Rare for him. Uh, Okay, cut the mustard apparently seems to be an American original phrase. Evidence for this phrase can be traced to a Galveston, Texas newspaper in 1891. (laughs) The author, O. Henry, who spent many years in Texas, where he may have picked up this expression, used cut the mustard in his 1907 collection of short stories, The Heart of the West. I looked around and found a proposition that exactly cut the mustard. What does mustard have to do with excellence? (laughs) Some, (laughs) God, this is a long article. Uh, Clues can be found in earlier mustard expressions. Mustard adds spice, zest, piquancy. Uh, this may not be obvious in your everyday yellow mustard, but slather on some English mustard like Coleman's on your Frankfurter and you'll be feeling the heat. That's why as early as the 1600s, hot, strong, keen as mustard was a figure of speech for someone extremely powerful, passionate, or enthusiastic. These qualities are very admirable or desirable, so perhaps it's no surprise that mustard took the jump to the connotation of genuine, superior, or excellent. Well, there you go. The more you know, kids, the more you know. That brought up a few emotions. One, I felt a little uncomfortable. I was like, I don't like this term. It makes me feel weird. Like, it just feels like something an old man would say. And I'd be like, I'm not into this. It reminds me of cut the cheese. So then I'm like thinking of farts. And then it also made me crave mustard on like a Beyond Sausage. Gosh, that sounds good. Doesn't it though? I had the same but feeling. Like, but you had you had all those same feelings, Jason? No, or no, just no, the latter? No, just the latter. I didn't I mean maybe it's because I'm I don't know. Maybe just because I grew up in a family where cut the mustard was a phrase that was used. And it's, Is that such a, a Polish thing? Like Well we maybe, did eat a lot of brats. We did eat a lot of Frankfurters and kielbasa God, growing up. Good. So, God, doesn't uh, that beyond brought just sound like with a nice spicy mustard, huh? Yes, pretzel bun, give it to um, me. Oh my God, that sounds good. I feel like that meme. Have you ever seen that that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's like kind of biting his fist? Oh yeah, from Wolf of Wall like, Street. Yeah. yeah. This reminds me too, just as a complete tangent, since we started talking about Beyond Meat, that one thing I thought we would touch upon on, on our podcast, This Hits the Spot, which by the way, for you, the listener, we have a new podcast. It's private for our newsletter subscribers and patrons. And it's called This Hits the Spot. We talk about products, a lot of food uh, and other things like we just did one on body care. But uh, we haven't talked about the Beyond Chicken, right? Like that didn't come up on the show, I don't think. And I feel like 
why not talk about it right now since we're talking about Beyond Meat and we're kind of having a loose conversation on this episode. So context, I was on a road trip a few weeks ago (laughs) and I have a Tesla. I drove, you know, I, I have to plot my whole road trips based on the Tesla superchargers. And basically you can get in the car and plug in where you're going and it will, will tell you where you have to stop and for how long. So a lot of times I don't know where I'm going. And I mean, aside from the destination and it somewhere outside of San Francisco, I forget exactly what this area was called. It wasn't like near San Francisco it was a little further east. And I ended up at the supercharger at this huge outdoor mall. And I'm just looking around. It was about lunchtime. I was curious what was there. And I found this place called Next Level Burgers, that was called. It was inside the Whole Foods. And I'm just like casually scrolling through the menu. I wasn't even intending to go. And then I saw that they had the brand new Beyond Chicken Tenders there. Not only that, but they had this incredible sandwich. And I sent a screenshot to Jason and he was like, oh my God, you have to get it and you have to bring me home some. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm like six hours away from Los Angeles and you want me to bring you back a sandwich. And he's like, hell yeah, because right now it's really hard to find, or at least it was a few weeks ago, hard to find the Beyond Tenders. And Jason and I you know, we're fans of Beyond Meat. I'm an investor in Beyond Meat, uh, side note, but not influencing my opinion on them. And I I think that you and I just like trying new things. So anyways, I went in there. I got a Sicha sandwich. I really liked it. I'm not quite sure exactly how to verbalize how I feel. So I'm curious how you felt about it, Jason. I would say I was very impressed with Next Level Burger. And had I not been limiting the amount of sugar I'm eating these days, I would have loved to have one of their milkshakes. If you had been with me, what I would have asked is for you to get a milkshake and I would have had like a few sips or scoops of it, depending on how thick it was. It looks so good. But their burgers were just so impressive. Like if you're listening, even if you don't live near a next level burger, which I think they're all like north of Los Angeles, at least now, just look up their menu. Like it's just fun. Look up their Instagram because like it's very drool worthy if you can handle it. And anyways, if you live near there, you got to go try it. Well, the burger had like, I think tempeh, chicken tenders, french fries. You could choose different buns. I actually got mine in a bowl because that's what I prefer over over like bread. And there was like a bunch of crazy sauces and shit in there. So it was a little hard to give a full opinion about the tenders, Jason. I don't know if you felt that way. You also ate yours like what, like 20, like 48 hours later? Like it was like a few days, but it was wrapped up in tinfoil in in the fridge and you reheated it. But I'm having trouble like really describing how I felt. I also feel like since I I tried the Beyond Chicken at KFC when they tested that out, I already kind of knew what their chicken tasted like and it was really good. But I wouldn't say that either time left me feeling quite as excited at as I am about their other products. I think their burgers and sausages are just like some of the best plant-based foods I've ever had. The chicken, I haven't had that reaction to. So what's your feeling on it, Jason? Well, caveat, I did have it 48 hours after you got it, so it was not optimally fresh. But I did heat it up. I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I have to say that I do want to try the tenders independent of being in a burger, just like dunk them in barbecue sauce and a spicy mustard since we're on the subject of food. I would want to do that. You know, chipotle mayo, barbecue sauce, spicy mayo, take the tenders there and and have them fresh too, not, you know, two to three days old. But overall, I thought they were good. I think the texture, let me say this. I think the texture is really good. I think the flavor can stand to be improved. How do I describe it? It's not bland, but it's not quite like chicken. It's not quite there. Whereas I think the sausages and the Beyond Burger patties are like, I've served them to people who are not anywhere near vegetarian or vegan, and they're like, this is damn good. So I think the chicken is almost there, but I don't think it's quite ready for prime time in the mainstream. That's my opinion on it. I think it needs to be improved flavor-wise. If the mainstream is really going to take off with it, I do think it's an improvement over their strips from back in the day. Those strips, I mean, I love you, Beyond Meat. I, I got love for Ethan and that whole team, but those strips back in the day, 
that shit did not taste like chicken. I'm sorry, y'all. Like, it, like I, I would make like old school Polish recipes, chicken paprikash, things like that. And it was like, <laughs> okay, kind of. Ish. But that was way ahead of its time. It was. It like, was. Didn't you and I go to like their launch party for those tender or the chicken strips or whatever? We went or to no, the launch party was for the crumbles, I think, and they were serving like all their products. Correct. That was like, that was, like 2014. The yeah. That was like 2014. So and again, I'm not saying this to be like critic. I'm just saying like if the goal is to reach the mainstream, which I think, again, the burgers and the sausages are prime time ready, I think just the flavor of the chicken needs to be, I wouldn't even know what to say, like saltier, more gamey, more, you know, just meatier. I don't know. It just, it was a little bit bland to me. Like if I took, if I took the breading away, it was like, okay, I just think it needs to be a little more flavorful. That was my opinion. But overall, I think it was great. And, you know, I want to go on record to say that, like, I don't eat a ton of plant-based meat substitutes or analogs, depending on what you call them, because some of them really hurt my stomach. I have given Impossible many, 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 many tries over the years. And every time I eat it, I feel like the Grim Reaper is just digging his scythe into my gut. Like I, there's something, it might be the, it might be the modified, genetically modified heme iron that's in the impossible meat. But when I eat impossible meat, I feel really kind of not great. So I like beyond because my body feels good when I eat it. And I think that, you know, it's an important conversation when we come to food, right? Is we see people eating all this stuff and you know, sometimes I'll look at like the junk food vegans or however they classify themselves these days. And I'm just like, man, I wish I could eat that. But I know a lot of that stuff, Whitney, I will pay for it because my body will literally say to me, why did you put this in me, you son of a bitch? So beyond thankfully is like one of those holy grails for me that I can eat it and still feel really good in my body. And my digestion is not affected by it. Okay, I know this is like kind of turning into a episode of This Hits the Spot, but let's consider this a preview for those of you who have not checked it out because right now we have a small listenership there. And if you're curious, we'll put a link in our show notes of this episode at wellevator.com uh, or you can look up This Hits the Spot podcast. I don't quite know if the SEO is there yet for it, but it's on our website, wellevator.com in a few places and our social. If you ever have trouble finding something, just shoot us a DM on Instagram or uh, anywhere else. Uh, email works too. And we'll, we'll get you the right links. His name links. That's something that we say about Jason's cat all the time. FYI, I just did a cursory Google search for the phrase, this hits the spot podcast, and we are the number one ranking. So there you go. Fantastic. Friends. Great. Go. All right. Well, we're doing a good job. This is search engine optimization at its finest. Well, Anyways, so this is a little like preview of the type of conversations we have on that show. And I do want to shout out two things, Jason, on this subject before we move on or away from this. One is that I told Jason privately about something new I tried called Omnipork. And I've been thinking about doing a like a mini TikTok style video on that. It's at a Chinese restaurant that I go to from time to time, and they like seem to understand vegan. It's like one of those places where I'm always like very clear, like so there's no meat or fish, right? Like no broth. Like you have to be very clear, even though it's like a very LA restaurant, which they probably know. It's also very, and hopefully this comes across okay, like authentic in that if it's run by, I imagine they're Chinese, definitely Asian people, and like. It's got that like vibe. It doesn't feel too Americanized, even though I think Chinese food in general has become very Americanized. Anyways, it's not run by a bunch of white people is what I'm trying to say, as far as I know. So I went on their website to order my basic dish. I loved Kung Pao vegetables, if you're curious. And I saw they had a new plant-based menu at the top. And I did one of these, Jason, like... <laughs> Which, if you're listening to the audio, you have no idea what I just did. So go check out our YouTube channel. Like, I was rubbing my eyes, like, in disbelief. Like, and I went and, like, checked. I was like, this must be a mistake. Like, why does this place have a plant based section all of a sudden? But the plant based section is because they're using this new product called Omnipork. I didn't even know this existed. Like, this is how cool plant based foods are these days. There's too many things to keep up with. Versus back in the day, like the Beyond Chicken 1.0 days, you knew every product on the market because there just weren't that many. Now you can't keep up. 
And there's like an alternative to any product out there. There's not a ton of vegan pork, but this new company is like basically the beyond meat of pork at the moment. And they now have their products at all these cool restaurants in Southern California. Now it does contain soy and meat. So to your point, Jason, it is a gut bomb for someone like me who has trouble digesting soy and gluten. Um, Did I say soy and gluten or did I say soy and meat? You said soy and meat, but you meant soy and wheat. Correct. Yes. Okay. So yes, it's not gluten-free. It's not soy-free. So I have to eat those things sparingly, but I'll just take a bunch of enzymes or as Jason would say, a grip of enzymes. I'm currently using enzymes from uh, Bioptimizers, who's been a sponsor of the show. And I really, really like their products. So I pack those up with me and bring them to restaurants or have them ready when I'm getting food at home. Anyways, they now have all these products that were designed around Omnipork. And if you go on Omnipork's website, which we'll put on, or it's omnifoods.co, and we'll put the link to that in the show notes for this episode at wellevator.com, you can go and see if any nearby restaurants have it and you can request it to. In Southern California, ton of places. I'm not quite sure outside of, of this area, but I imagine they're testing it out. And it's it's really cool. It's worth having. I think to your point, Jason, it's similar to the Beyond Chicken Tenders where like the taste isn't fully there. It's got a neat texture, but I never really ate a ton of pork before I went plant-based and I don't really know how different it is from chicken, if that makes sense. Like I feel like it's chewier or something, but anyways, it's just cool. Like it's just cool to see that as an option. And they had it in like their dumplings and their pot stickers and their they had a mapo tofu with the pork in it. Like they like turned all these traditional or Americanized Chinese foods into fully plant-based options. And it just like brought me joy. The other company I want to shout out on the opposite end of the spectrum is Dr. Prager's. If you are someone like me and Jason, and you're laughing, but like, because they're old school, I imagine that why you're laughing. No, but legit, Dr. Prager's has a very special place in my heart these days. I just tried a product of theirs that just blew my mind because of my food sensitivities and because I tend to eat lower carb. I was blown away. They have soy-free and gluten-free products. I I think most, if not all of their products are both soy-free and gluten-free. They have all these different chicken tenders, which are great in the air fryer. And Jason, they have uh, an alternative to Beyond Meat and Impossible, which like to me, the taste of it tastes like the two combined. It's like got the good texture. It's got some of the flavor, but a lot of people don't like Beyond Meat because it's like so flavorful impossible, like has a little bit duller taste. I think Dr. Prager's meat, it's like a ground meat alternative is legit and no stomach issues, solid ingredients. Like it's surprisingly fantastic. And um, yeah, so I had to shout them out too. And I love that you're laughing. Should we move away from the food products, Jason, or did you have a Like, where do we go from here? Oh, I have a comment that I wanted to say going back to the very beginning of this. Great. Which was you uh, talking about our editor, you know, removing some of the quote imperfections or the flubs or the mess ups or whatever we want to call them. It reminds me of a conversation I was having with my vocal coach, Claire, pre pandemic, of course, about the nature of vocal recording and how it's changed so much over the years. And in previous episodes, we talked a little bit about auto-tune and we talked about how uh, digital technology has affected music recording. But in this context of perfectionism, we were discussing some of the classic vocal recordings over history, right? And she was playing me like isolated vocal tracks from people like Freddie Mercury we were listening to Jim Morrison. We were listening to Roy or Roy Orbison. And it's interesting because in the context of song, I think sometimes someone can be either, you know, can they call it pitchy, right? Which means you're either you're either sharp or you're flat, right? There's a note and you're either on pitch, which is right on the note, or you're sharp or you're flat, right? Which means you're either above or below the note on the scale. And her point was like, if you listen to these, like Robert Plant, Freddie Mercury, Steve Tyler, Roy Orbison, they didn't have 
perfect vocal pitch on a lot of their recordings. Some of them did, but not all. And you listen to, and I was going through listening to some of these, like uh, Roy Orbison has a song called Crying. It's one of his big hits. And the last note of the song he hits, which I'm a little bit ill right now, I can't hit that note, but he's pitchy. He's like, he's slightly flat. And if you really listen to it, like really pay attention to that note, you're like, oh shit, he is flat. Well, why did they keep it in there? That was the whole thing we were talking about because the producer of the record could have said, all right, Roy, another take, you were flat. He kept it in because the emotion and Roy Orbison fucking meant it. He meant it. You know what I'm saying? And it reminds me of a quote by another one of my favorite musicians, Amos Lee, uh, who's been doing a lot of really great Instagram lives over the course of the pandemic. He said in one of his lives I was watching, he said, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to mean it. Because he messed up in one of his lives. like he, His voice cracked or he, he was pitchy and he's like, hey, you don't have to be per- perfect. You just have to mean it. So I think what I want to do, Whitney, with everything we're creating and things that I'm trying to do is not try and have it be so polished, not have it try and be so perfect. Like, so what if we say something wrong? So what if we, our voices crack? So what if I have to clear my throat because I'm sick in the middle of a podcast? That's real. It's real. So I think with music right now, the big thing that a lot of people are bitching about is that it's too polished and it's too perfect. And that when you do hear someone who's slightly flat or slightly sharp, it's like, oh, it's like, no, that's what the human voice does. That's what the human voice does. We're not robots, y'all. So I just wanted to say that going back to this idea of our collective cultural obsession with perfectionism is that I think in some cases, we lose a lot of the soul and we lose a lot of the meaning, which goes back to our point about communication we were talking about, Whitney. It's like, I don't want to lose soul and meaning in music or any form of communication, music is a form of communication, to try and make things too perfect. Because if we lose the meaning and we lose the emotion and we lose the soul, fuck it. Just fuck it. Then what's the point? Then robots can do it. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say. It's like a lot of human beings have this fear of robots taking over, but are we just becoming more and more robotic to the point that We won't even be able to tell the difference between ourselves and robots if we're always trying to do things perfectly and not make mistakes. And I think that's like part of our big fascination and uh, the reason that we go like evolve technology in that sense, because technology helps us save time and money and, you know, all that efficiency, but also like reduce human error. And we start to associate human error as something negative. But that truly is where our humanity and our soul is, to your point, Jason. And I think that we have to practice recognizing that. And it makes me wonder, like, how relationships will evolve over this time. Because, you know, we've talked about dating in general, just starting to feel really robotic. Like people lose their soul when it comes to that, their humanity. They're on an app swiping and it's like they don't they forget that there's a real person on the other side of all these judgments we make. And then you can you can basically present yourself through your bio, through your communication, through your social media as being really perfect. And maybe in your first dates, you know, you're, everything's perfect and polished. But then the reality sinks in over time that that person that you were introduced to is not really who you're dating. And then it's like almost a subtle catfish. And that's really disturbing because... It concerns me when people end up in relationships and something changes and they're like feeling stuck or sad and they have to go through a divorce and like the trauma of leaving the relationship or the breakups, all of that are just really hard to watch. And especially sad if somebody got into something thinking it was one way, but then didn't really get to see the real person until later. And I think we see this so much on social media and podcasts and other platforms where people can draw them in through all of this polish, but then they lose the trust. And I think ultimately trust is so important and soul is important, like you're saying, and connection. I value them so much. I don't want those to be wrung out of me. And I spend a lot of time trying to achieve that. But both of us have, Jason. Like We've talked about this very openly throughout the show. It's like we've experienced what it's like to polish ourselves and present ourselves and shape ourselves, mold ourselves, but we also experienced that they never really were worth it. And they didn't lead to any of the 
things that we thought they were going to lead to. So we might as well just be ourselves. And same thing with relationships. Do you want to be in a friendship, a romantic relationship, a family relationship with somebody who's not really who they say they are in the beginning? Do you want to feel deceived? Wouldn't you rather just be relaxed and truly be yourself? And I, I think it's tough. It's not an easy answer. And it's not that black and white because I found the more that I try to embrace authenticity, I'm also recognizing how hard it is sometimes because there is so much rejection. And I too want people to accept me. I don't want to be seen as unattractive when I don't wear makeup, you know? I don't, you know, I've talked a lot about the aging stuff. Recently on TikTok, I saw a lot of videos about Sarah Jessica Parker. I think they might be filming like a new Sex in the City movie or something. And there's all this footage of her and people commenting, oh my God, she's so old. And then there was a photo of her where I don't think she was wearing makeup and people were like, whoa, look how bad she looks. And that's such a common reaction that is so messed up. It's like, yeah, people age. Yeah, not everybody wears makeup. And then meanwhile, in the past few days, I've seen all these posts about Jennifer Lopez showing off her body. She's just turned 52. People are like, oh my gosh, look how great her body looks for 52. And people are like, yeah, just because you turn 50 doesn't mean that you're old and decrepit. And simultaneously, it's like, okay, remember that Jennifer Lopez spends a lot of time on her appearance. So yes, it's great that she's celebrating herself, but She's also somebody that's constantly polishing herself for all that I know. I don't know enough about JLo. I assume that she's regularly working out and regularly thinking about her diet and working with professionals and maybe maybe doing special things to her hair and her, you know, who knows? I don't know what her regiment is, but my point being that she is a polished person. So she looks great. But how much polishing do you want to do is my big question. I imagine she's dyeing her hair. I imagine she's doing all of these things that I don't necessarily want to do. So yes, I can look at her and celebrate her, but also recognize, oh, but she's polished. And that's not what she would look like if she didn't do all that polishing. And deep down, like I would much rather look at at Sarah Jessica Parker when she's not wearing makeup because that feels real to me. That feels like a human being versus a polished person feels more like a robot to me. And I think we've, uh, I'm trying to, in this moment, Jason, like find a connection between everything we've talked about today, the desire to tie up in a bow. And I, I feel like the closest I can get is when you were sharing all of that about the vocal coach. I don't know if you noticed, but I like had a little laugh attack, like couldn't stop laughing. And I was really trying not to laugh. And it was one of those moments where the more I tried not to laugh, the harder I was laughing. And suddenly everything felt funny to me. And it's really silly where it began. But I looked up the Dr. Prager's website to put it in our show notes. And I just saw their sweet tagline. And I I heard your voice, your classic Jason voice, because their tagline is purely sensible foods. And I just thought it's like a cut the mustard type of phrase, like, oh, purely sensible foods. Let's hear the Jason voice. You've got like your Midwestern man voice that you put on for phrases like that. Oh, like Midwestern dad? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, honey, I went to Trader Joe's today. I'm calling it TJ's now. <laughs> Shorthand, learning those colloquial phrases from the kiddos. And I picked up a package of Dr. Prager's veggie burgers they were on actually trader joe's doesn't have sale always low prices and dr prager's they make always sensible foods so i would like us to eat with more sense honey and i think this is a great way for us to start okay (laughs) excellent (laughs) that was very good although you have a little bit of a different voice like it's more like purely sensible food. Oh, like, yeah. I can't... Purely sensible foods. There purely is. sensible foods. <laughs> purely sensible foods. Dr. Pekka has purely sensible foods. What up? What up? Purely sensible foods. You're welcome, Dr. Preggers. You can use that however you want, royalty free. Really? You're going to give away kidding. your usage. I don't know about that. Kidding, kidding. But, you know, kidding. maybe they'll want to sponsor the show. The, yeah. Now they're like, we don't need to sponsor the show because they <laughs> yeah, just right. gave us lots of free press. And you know what? I'm happy to do it because when you look at their website, I just picture like all these really kind human beings uh, working for them. And like, they're just very pleasant. Like, 
there's just something that makes me feel good about them. So go check out their website to feel good. They're from New Jersey. So not quite Midwestern, but I have family in New Jersey. Although it also says something about California in here. I'm a little confused, actually. I'm a little confused about where this company is based. But you know what? That's all right. We all got work to do. They have delicious foods. Give them a try. Jason, my homework to you is to go try some pure, sensible foods. We're talking about authenticity here. We're talking about soul. Go get a, give it a try. I, let me pull up the exact name of that. I'm actually getting so excited. I think I'm going to go make some for myself after we wrap and have a late lunch. It is, um, I think it's part of their, let's see here. I'm on their website. They've got a lot. They've got puffs. They've got hash. I mean, like it's an impressive line. If you go to a store, I actually think I bought these at Lassen's, Jason. Their sale's over, but they were half off at Lassen's. But they sell them at Sprouts and they have quite the selection. So, oh, okay, here it is. It's the perfectly plant-based ground. That's what it's called. It's one pound of plant-based ground meat. It's making me drool. It's soy-free, gluten-free, non-GMO, made with sunflower oil, and it contains four veggies. So I think part of their thing is like you can sneak in the veggies, pea protein-based, and somehow it's also low-carb, even though it has sweet potato and butternut squash. It's kind of like very impressive. And I promise to the listener, this is not an ad. This is just me recommending something. Well, I want to try it now, the way you've described it. Right? Yeah. Like, go I mean, give it a try. And and then, how about this? For the listener, we will talk about it on This Hits the Spot. Jason will give his review of Dr. Prager's Purely Sensible Foods, Perfect Plant-Based Ground, Pure Plant Protein. That's There's a lot of peas in there. Maybe they did that on purpose. Maybe that's like part of their thing is... They try yes, to so yeah. as many peas. <laughs> Good God. Then- Perfectly pedantic plant-based protein patties. Why? Why? Why the complexity? Because it's fun to say. I guess. No, pra- Prager is perfectly pedantic. Plant-based protein patties. We're going to just cram all the peas into your vegan ass. Cramming all the peas into your A. There it and is. Literal, literal peas because it's made with pea protein. Well, there you go. <laughs> we are going to cram all of the peas in that ass. Quote Dr. Prager. I wonder who Dr. Prager is. I need to go look this he's up. He's not even a real person. He's made up. He's made up. He's think? not even real. What do you want to bet? Do you bet, bet that I'm Dr. Prager is manu- real? It's a manufactured identity. That's what I bet. Okay, let's see. Let's see if they have it. Okay, our story. I'm on their website, their history. Okay. It was founded in 1994. So not super old, but you could say 1994 called. You love to say those phrases. Oh, here we go, Jason. It's not, <laughs> it's not every day that two heart surgeons get into the food business. I feel like I should send this link to you and you should read this in your Midwestern <laughs> voice. I'm sending it to you right now. And I... I <laughs> this would be the greatest ad if they actually were sponsoring us. Like, I feel like we should send this as an example to uh, future sponsors, Jason. Like, here's what we can do to authentically talk about your brand. Yeah. So start at that phrase. It's not every day. Yeah. And also insult a lot of people from the Midwest. Sorry. No, uh, how is that insulting? Well, because I'm going to be imitating the Midwestern accent. And some people but might get mad. It. But Why I'm from the Midwest, so I can do... Oh, wow. This is yeah. a great story. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> it's not every day that two heart surgeons get into the food business, but that's exactly what our dads did. Motivated by what they saw in their practice, they set out on a mission to encourage sensible eating. They knew ingredients had to be nutritious and simple, and that everything had to be delicious and that their products needed to be simple to prepare. Now, while the world has changed since our little family business first got started, our focus remains true to our dad's vision, and we work every day to make them proud. Here's our story. Our history dates back to 1994 when our dad's medical partners and cardiothoracic surgeons conducted emergency surgery to save a man's life. Well, they also wound up saving a business. After the successful operation, the group became friends. Later, the patient introduced our dads to the owner of Unger's Hemischeich Gefelte Fish Company. Well, the heart specialists were hooked. After acquiring the company while keeping their busy medical practice, the pair launched Dr. Prager's Sensible Foods to provide delicious, nutritious, and convenient frozen foods. 
I they think we should to... stop there. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's actually not that long, but it did not answer our question. Yeah, I just en- I enjoyed hearing you share the story and also your amazing pronunciation of that gefilte fish company, which you've called. Haven't you called my dog gefilte fish? Like when she has bad breath, you're like, oh, you she smell d- like- yeah, she smells like a felta fish. Yeah, Evie, Evie, when her breath is bad, she smells like a traditional Jewish dish. She does. She does. <laughs> Luckily, she no longer has that issue. <laughs> That's a sweet story, though, I have to say. I even I fell more in love with with Dr. Prager's just talking about them and reading about them. But I really the mystery has not been solved. Like they should at least add this to the FAQ, which I'm going to check that before we wrap. Like, is there a real Dr. Prager? It's not even answer. I feel like that's a huge issue on their website. Like they should tell you who that is. And if not a real person, Jason, are you looking it up? He's he's typing away. If it's not a real person, where did that name come from? Did you find the answer? Okay, he's looking. I found the answer. Okay. And the Google search I put in was, is Dr. Prager real? Okay. Well, I found a obituary. From the New York Times, Dr. Peter okay. Prager, a heart what, surgeon. Two P's? Yeah, naturally. Peter, of course, Dr. Peter Prager, a heart surgeon who saved a man's life and as a result wound up owning a gefilte fish company, who as a result of that wound up starting a successful natural foods company, died September 22nd, 2012 in Hackensack, New Jersey at the age of 65. And Hackensack ties into one of our favorite songs, Jason. Billy Joel, what's that song actually called? Moving the Out. Krakatoa. Yeah, Moving Out. The Krakatoa song. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the line, but something on now, bag and hack and sack. It's heart attack, hack, 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 hack. hack and sack, hack, hack, hack. Yeah. No, he doesn't say hack and sack. Wait, yeah. Something about like, yeah, moving to hack and sack. Is that all you get for your money? Yeah, it's that's a great, a great song. one of my ba- favorite Billy Joel songs. Anyway, R.I.P. Peter Prager. Um, sad. But man. I, I feel sad. Like I I didn't even know who he was. And now that I know that he's no longer with us, I feel sad. Yeah, but he was he was a very real human being and uh was the co-chief of cardiothoracic surgery at the Hackensack University Medical Center. So great surgical career, great food business. That, oh, and that's Props. where the New Jersey the New Jersey stuff comes from. Got it. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. Didn't expect to do a huge piece on Dr. Prager's today, but you know what? As I said at the beginning, we were going to have a a very free-flowing episode. So now is where we would like to hear from you, the listener. How did you feel about this? Did you like all the like tangential, all over the place, loose? Do you prefer that or do you prefer like our more you know organized, article-based? We did pull up some articles. We did a little bit of research today. But, you know, we, we really value your opinion privately, publicly, especially when it's nice. We got a really nice review recently, actually. I, sh- I feel like I should pull that up, but I might not have time to get it all in the time. But we we've, we've sometimes get these reviews from people that are so kind. And then we get new supporters. We got I think we've already mentioned this, but it's worth mentioning again how we had this surprise uh, larger amount of money on on Patreon, which was just so awesome. Like we get blown away. Also, I found a message on Patreon, Jason, from, gosh, I don't want to mess up this person's name. I'm going to pull that up too. My computer's running a little slow, but we had a sweet private message from one of our Patreon supporters about how much she loves our show. And that stuff just goes a long way. So please send us a message. Tell us how you feel. My computer is too slow for me to do all of this. So for the sake of of not slowing down our podcast, I'm, I'm going to close all these windows that I was trying to open. But we hear you. We read it. We appreciate you so much. So if you want to tell us, A, did you like this show in this episode? If not, do you like another episode? Is there something entirely different that you would like to see us do? We're open to that. Uh, B, are, are, how much Dr. Prager's did you go and buy after listening to <laughs> So we can report back to the company and say, hey, listen, if you saw a spike in sales, it's because of us. We would like to be acknowledged. And if not, Dr. Prager's, did you go buy or try any of the other foods that we discussed? Have you listened to this? Hits the spot. If I could do a survey after every episode, I probably would because I love just 
knowing feedback. You guys matter to us. You, the listener, matter a ton, more than you probably know. So thank you for listening. And I'll leave it to Jason to do the official wrap because I feel like you do it so well. And also, Jason, I feel like it may be an auditory cue to your animals because at the end of every episode, you usually say, with all that said, that's like your phrase that you say when you're ending. And I wonder if the animal... I think you're going to have to do what you've done one other time, which is say your signature ending phrase and then go open the door and see if your animals come running in. Okay. Because I think that they have learned that you say that at the end of episodes and now now they're like, okay, dad's done with the podcast. We're free. Okay. Well, with with all that said. I don't know if it's going to work. See, maybe if it's not authentic, it doesn't work, but let's see. He's opening the door. (laughs) I said, with all that said. Well, or, or no, you actually say, with that being said, Jason. With that being said. <laughs> I think we just defeated your theory. Yeah. Alas. Either that or it does not work. It's like maybe a very specific, authentic vibe that they get. Maybe they can tell that you're trying I'm to like. I'm baiting them. I'm baiting yeah. them. Yeah, that's your what it is. animals are quite smart. Yeah, also, they know I'm baiting it's a warm day in July. Maybe it's too hot for them to move. That's been the it, case before too. They've been lazy little turds today. They have. They're just lay. They just lay around all day. So yeah, yes, fair enough. Um, with that being said, follow us on our website. It's wellevator.com. W e l l e v a t r dot com. We release new blog posts every week. If you haven't joined our newsletter list, we send them out every Friday. With resources for your wellness, for your mind, your heart, your being. We uh, we love to share resources on our blog and our newsletter if you want to take advantage of those free resources. And as Whitney mentioned, if you are into this, if you're loving what we're doing and want to support us energetically and financially, you can click on the Patreon link in our show notes for this episode. And for those who are you who are still listening, it is patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Wellevator, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And you can join us and support us for as little as two American dollars per month. Easily doable. So that's it for now, y'all. We love you. We appreciate you. Oh, actually, someone did come to say hi. Oh, you were late. You were you were super lazy on the uptake, kid. Come here. Oh, yes. She says, I am a baby rhino, a baby hippo, and I'm going to snort. That's good snorting. That's good ASMR. Yeah, that's good mic snorting. Anyway, goodbye from Bella. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from Whitney. Thanks for getting uncomfortable with us, and we will catch you with another episode very, very soon. We love you. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 